This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Here's Ray Addison. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to Motor Mania. Coming up this morning, journalist Damien Reid will be joining us to discuss the latest motoring news, including how a shortage of new cars in the USA has led to a, get this, 10% increase in the value of second-hand motors. You'll be talking about the impact here in the UAE. I'm also going to be chatting to Gaurav Sham, the founder of Open Bonnet, about what really goes on when you take your car in for a service. And we'll also be talking road safety, which is inspired by an incident which producer Zena was involved in on Thursday. And producer Zena actually joins me now. We've let her come the other side of the glass. Morning, Ray. You're all right, Zena. Thanks for letting me out of that of the cage. No worries. No worries. Every every six months or so, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, obviously, how how are you doing? What happened? Feeling okay, just a little bit. You know, um, I feel like I don't want to drive for a few days mm-hmm. now because on Thursday I was with my two kids in the car driving on Hesse Street. Obviously, traffic there crawling as you approach Al-Kale Road. I do the traffic report every day. I know it was a bad call to take that road, but (laughs) um, yeah. Uh, so traffic was crawling, um, itch, inching towards the exit, and then suddenly I felt uh, something on the rear of my car. I heard a bang, and it mm. was a delivery rider uh, crashing into the rear of my car. Oh, wow! How if you had to estimate, like how fast? If you were crawling, was he going quite fast? I wasn't sure what he was doing, but mm. you know how you know they just zigzag through the roads yeah. and. So I wasn't sure. And sometimes, you know, people be driving fast and then coming to a halt. Yes. Uh, so maybe that's what happened. I, I, I think sometimes when you're in standstill traffic, I mean, obviously, the, 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 the reason they're on bikes is so that they can, you know, sort of nip around and get places faster. But because of that, you don't always... They kind of come in out and out of everywhere, and sort of you know suddenly appear on your right hand side or your left hand side. Um, exactly. And, and I've seen some pretty close calls against those bumpers. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that many times, but you know I didn't actually think it was going to happen to me. Yeah. But it did. Uh, but anyway, I reported it on the Dubai Police app. Mm-hmm. You know, it took minutes, but I asked the driver if he needed something because you know he fell off his bike. Right. But quickly stood up. Um, got on his bike and said, well, you know, I've got to deliver food now. And I said, can I take you to a clinic? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was absolutely fine. But I just thought, you know, and I, I told the story to some of my friends and they're like, I've had the exact same thing happen to me. So yes. I didn't realize how common it was. And of course, you know, during the pandemic, we've had an increase in delivery uh, riders on the roads. So yeah, this must and dispatch quite riders a and, and it's not just delivering, you know, it could be food, it could be, uh, you know, groceries, it could could be anything. Um, we've also had an increase in uh, d- delivery drivers in, in, in vans as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of these, uh, you know, brilliant sort of food delivery companies. But it's the it's the guys on the bikes um, that kind of worry me the most. I, I had a, a, a rider um, almost sort of crash into me the other day when I was exiting a car park. He'd 
uh, sort of zipped across into the other lane to get mm. around the bollard. And um, the guy was like beeping at me and throwing his hands up like, what am I doing? He's driving the wrong way towards me oh, on the road. But you have, to, you have to be so careful these days. Well, that's it, Ray. They're not going anywhere anytime mm. soon. They're here to stay because we're ordering more stuff online and they're delivering more stuff uh, to us. So we've just got to get along with them. But I don't know the solution because I mm. don't know how to drive with thousands of them on the roads. So you've, you've kind of had a little bit of a, a few days where you're feeling like you don't really want to be on the roads. But you did. You drove in today. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Were you a little bit more kind of nervous about the situation? A little bit, yes. Mm. A but little bit cautious. You know, should I, you know, the light turns green. I need to turn. But there's two delivery drivers sort of almost sandwiching me. Yeah. Um, what do I do? Well, the thing is, as well, you know, if, if one of those bikes hits your car, you know, yes, you've got your kids in the car. Yes, you're in the car. It's unlikely that they're going to damage you or, or the car more than you're going to damage them. And that's the thing that really kind of scares me. You know, the fact that either through their negligence, if that's the right word, or, or just, you know, everyone's human. We make mistakes mm-hmm. or, or through a mistake of mine, I could actually end up really hurting somebody or in worst case you know, somebody could die. And that's that's what's really terrifying. Yes, exactly. That's what scared me the most. Um, and, you know, I took his number, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Honestly, because I've, I've filed a police report, but I feel like I need to do more to help yeah. him out. But... Well, that's it. Well, I'm sure there's lots of people who've, you know, experienced similar situations. That's also the subject of the poll that we're running on Insta today. As the number of delivery riders has increased, do our roads feel less safe? Head over to our page at Dubai Eye1038FM and click on our story to vote. If you don't know what the story is, because you're over 40 like me, it's the little logo <laughs> next to the name Dubai Eye. And uh, it's got a little sort of a little line around it. You click on that and that takes you through to our story and then you can vote yes or no. And we'll keep you up to date with the results uh, of that poll throughout the show. Time now, though, for an hour of uh, motoring expertise from Matthew Davidson. Fix it or flip it. Yes, Matthew is Motormania's valuation guru. He can tell you how much your car is worth right now, today, and if it's time to think about selling it. All you need to do is give him details of the make, the model, the year, and the mileage of your car. Now, you can message all of that to us via SMS. You can use the ARN Play app, free of charge. This is a talk show on the radio, so call us, 04-871-5500, and we do give priority to callers. Uh, Matthew should be on the line right now. Good morning, Matthew. Morning, Ray. Hey, how, how are you doing? You? Yeah, very well, very well. Uh, before, we, before we start, what, what do you think about the poll that we're running today? It's a great topic, and as Zena said, it's not going away, but I think whatever we do, the rider's safety has to be top of mind. Yes. Um, I personally would like to see a new class of license for these guys. Okay. So, for example, commercial lorry drivers have a special type of license. So let's create a license for uh, delivery riders because they are commercial delivery riders. And let's get, get them trained. Let's let's put a little bit more structure around their job. And, mm-hmm. and as I said, I want safety because when I'm a driver – and one of them cuts in front of me or clips my wing mirror, that gets me mad, of course. But I'm also the same guy that's at home wanting my pizza because I'm hungry. (laughs) And I think we have a responsibility around this whole uh, world of of delivery. And and I think it needs to be regulated a lot, lot stricter. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, a a lot of uh, companies have sort of... um 
been founded during the pandemic, you know, as a, as a response to, you know, change in, in how we're all living. Um, and, you know, sometimes things don't always catch up as quickly uh, to to what business, uh, you know, the speed of business. And so, you know, I'm sure that we'll see things like that. As a, as a motorist yourself, do you feel less safe on the roads with more delivery riders? I, I personally don't. You know, I, I feel, I've, you know, I've driven for so long on the roads yeah. here, I kind of predict things happening. I can see things literally unfolding in front of me. But for most people, it can be pretty intimidating. You know, when you're at the lights waiting for them to change and suddenly this guy will come right in front of yeah. you, uh, literally across your car. And you're thinking, well, if, if I jumped, you know, if, if, if I let my foot off the brake because um, the lights change and he just cut, then there's nothing I'm going to be able to do except hit him. So, you know, that that falls back into the training and regulation of what these guys need to go through. And I don't blame them. Um, you no. know, at the end of the day, of you have to have structure and, and training uh, for these people. So let's see what happens. But I think you, you raise a valid point about the speed at which this is unfolded is is quite remarkable yeah give us a ring and you'll be speaking to matthew you can uh, find out the valuation of your car and also he is a, a motoring expert so you can ask him any other question uh, you like within reason and uh, he will do his best to answer it zero four eight seven one double five double zero matthew um you you sent me a message uh, earlier on this week um talking about and very excited as well uh, so we're delighted for you you've got a brand new job I do have a new job and it's arguably my dream job. Yeah. So I've joined uh, an automotive data company mm-hmm. called Algo Driven. They basically help car dealerships, finance and insurance companies accurately identify and price used cars, which is, you know, what we do on the show. Yeah, exactly. so, um, <laughs> yeah I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so happy. They're, they're, they're a wonderful team. Um, they're doing fantastic work here not just in the Middle East, but across Australia and, and Southeast Asia. Mm. And so, so basically, when insurance companies pop up prices and, and banks have to work out prices and even dealers when it comes to trading, it's their data in behind the scenes that's helping that. And now huh. they've got a human element in myself helping to even get uh, tighter accuracy on that data. So, oh, yeah, wow. dream job dream job for me and uh, a great partnership for them. That sounds brilliant. So before, was it more of a kind of an AI kind of um, calculation? It, it, it is AI, but it is. You know, it's not just myself joining the team. Yeah. This is a company that's growing exponentially, yeah. if I can get that word out, <laughs> yeah, you did, too you did. early it's on a right. Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they're just, they want to be, the pricing authority for for pre-owned used cars. So yeah. by adding in the human element, that's definitely going to help to get that data much tighter mm. and, and dialed in. Well, uh, later on, we're going to be chatting to Damien Reed about this story. Um, there's been um, some stats released by the Bureau of Labor S- Statistics in the USA, and they found that the used car market is actually surging. The average cost of used cars and trucks jumped 10% during the month of April um, and 21% up from the same month uh, the year before. Um, and so w- this is all down to the sort of um, lack of supply of new cars. So more people are turning to the second-hand market. Have you heard about this? And is this something that we're seeing in other countries, do you think? Well, I came on to Dubai Eye Business Breakfast a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, by 2021, 2022, we're going to have a shortage of used cars. And that's going to put upward pressure on pricing. And the reason I said that is because since around 
2016-17, we've had a decline in new car sales. Mm -hmm. What that does is removes inventory from the future. So if you think a car that's three-year-old today was a 2018 brand new car, if we didn't sell many 2018, 2019, and 2020 cars, the next three years, we're going to see a lack of inventory. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happening now. In 2021, we have a shortage of particularly the popular makes and models as well, but across the spectrum of used cars. And at Algo Driven, we're seeing that data as well because we see what cars uh, are traded in at because dealers use our software eval expert to appraise cars. Mm -hmm. We're seeing what they then put the cars online for. And we are seeing an upward trend across certain makes and models in the UAE. So it is happening here as well. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to chat more to Damien Reed about that later on on the programme. You're here, of course, to give live car valuations. Let's speak to our first caller. Ram is on line number one. Good morning, Ram. Morning. How are you guys? Good morning, sir. What would you like to ask Matthew? Yeah, uh, see, I'm here in the uh, UA for long years, like mm-hmm. 20 plus years. Yes. And I've been changing the car every five years. But now I have to change the car. But I'm like in a dilemma because uh, now the motors are electrified, right? So right. I, I'm like in a confusion mode that whether I should go for the electrified car or sticking with the old technology like a, uh, manual cars. Yeah, this okay. is my main concern. And I guess you want to know the valuation for your car. I've got a note here. It's a, it's a Mazda 6 2016, and it's got 125,000 uh, kilometres on the clock. Yeah. OK, Matthew, what would you uh, give advice to Ram? Well, morning, Ram. I mean, your question is, is one that's popping up more and more. Do I buy an electric car right now? And, and I would say it's a consideration, but you need to understand the things that go along with buying an electric car. Do you live in an apartment? Have you got the ability to charge the car? If you live in a villa, it's much easier. But then there's costs associated with installing the right equipment to actually charge that car. So they're, they're the first things you need to think about. I don't think the market and the facilities and the infrastructure is mature enough yet. Um, so if I gave my honest opinion, probably not yet for you to, to move there. But uh, if you really have everything lined up in other words you live in a villa and you're prepared to pay the money to have the charger installed then that's definitely a consideration um but i would wait to see what happens over the next couple of years and also let a little bit of downward pressure come on on some of the uh the the first gen electric cars so you can pick one up at a more fairer price so some of the early teslas are obviously dropping down in price as each month goes by and you'll be able to pick one up at a, a fairer price. Mm. But going going to the uh, the Mazda 6, with 125,000 kilometers, I think your car, is, if it's a mid-option, would probably be early 30s, 32, 33,000 dirhams. Um, and, and they'll sell relatively quickly, the Mazda 6s. There's always demand for them. Ram, hope that helps. Uh, just uh, moving along just because of time. That's how it works. Uh, Matthew Davidson, he is our expert, motoring expert on the line. He will give you a live car valuation. He'll also answer any questions that you might have. Fix it or flip it. Just two callers stacked up. We've got Ahmed and we've got Andrew. Andrew's going to be next. That means there's one, two, three, four, five. There's six other spaces for you. Matthew Davidson will give you a live car valuation. Think it sounds hard? It's not. 
All you need to do is give him the make, the model, the year and the mileage of your car. You can also ask him any other questions you would like about motoring because he is a, our, our resident motoring guru. Uh, let's go over to Andrew then. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, good morning. How are you? Very well. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Excellent. Uh, Matthew is on the line. What would you like to ask him? Uh, so just looking for a valuation, I got a Jaguar XS. It's 2009. It's the supercharged, so it's an SV8, 4.2 litre, uh, with 84,000 kilometres on it. Okay, Matthew. Morning. Uh, Andrew, good morning. these cars, uh, particularly for expats, we come to the UAE and we think, I can have a Jag, um, which is fantastic but then we realize that they cost a lot of money to to run and everyone else kind of figures that out as well now this car is what is it 12 years old um yeah it's not it's not gonna unfortunately be worth a lot of money on the market because it costs so much to run it each year particularly being the v8 my my gut feeling is about twenty-five thousand dirhams is what it's worth um okay that that is is what i would put it out there online for and I think any good offer over 20, you might consider yep. as we're heading into the summer and it gets a bit tougher to sell. Um, yep. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely worth getting out of that car because the running costs alone are going to hurt you. Sure. Matthew, how much would um, the condition of, of the Jag affect the price? I mean, if it's in, like, pristine condition, because you think Jaguar, you think expensive. Yeah, at this age now, I think what's more important from a condition perspective is – you won't get many people coming to see it. And if they are looking at other cars, mm. that is going to be the difference between them picking your car and another car. It won't move the needle massively in terms of price because you're down there anyway. But it, what it will do is be the difference between you selling that car and not selling that car. So that's where condition really comes in. I would say when you do get a, a, a viewer, don't cut any corners. Go and get it washed, vacuumed, get it looking as best as you can because you won't get many shots to sell this car. Andrew, hope I've just helps. had it detailed, actually. Ah, okay. Well, yeah. there, there you go. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Andrew, hope that helps. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to ask a really stupid question now. Okay, so um, I was interviewing somebody, uh, you know, classic car collector, a couple of weeks back, and uh, he was explaining to me the number of years that vehicles need to be classed as classic cars. I think he was saying about 25 to 30 years. Now, if Andrew held on to this Jag for another, <laughs> another uh, what would it be, 15 to 18 years, would he get more money for it? If he literally just sealed it up, put it in a, in a warehouse somewhere, AC control, blah, 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 left it, for, left it sat there, could he actually have something quite valuable on his hands? Uh, maybe not an XF, um, <laughs> because there's certain cars that would fall into, into that criteria of what would be desirable in the future. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, from a Jaguar point of view, obviously we can all imagine the E-types from the 60s and how much money they're going for now. Yes. But this, you know, nobody's labeled the XF an iconic car, unfortunately. But that, that is applicable to some cars. But, uh, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sealing this one up so it's and not putting just, it in a garage. It's not just age then. It's not just, a, you know, because you watch some TV shows, you see people sort of they find these, bar, these barn finds and they're completely sort of, you know, rusted out and everything but it's it's and it seems sometimes it's all about the age but it's not it's it's the it's the make and model as well very much so yeah there's certain <laughs> certain cars that will that are currently produced now that potentially will become classics like uh 
the the uh, McLaren uh, MP412C that was the 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 first production car in mass that McLaren ever produced. If you had one of them and you sealed it up and put it in a garage, yeah, we could talk about yeah. what it'd be worth in 30 years' time. But yeah, unfortunately, not an, not an XF. Okay, well, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to ask the dumb questions. Uh, thank you so much, Andrew, for calling in. Uh, Ahmed is on line number one. Good morning, Ahmed. Good morning, chaps. Good morning. What would you like to ask, Matthew? Morning, Matt. Uh, just a quick question. We're in the market and uh, currently viewing BMW X5Ms. Um, would you sort of view one today? And I was just wondering whether you could give us a rough price. It's 2014, 70,000 kilometres, one owner, full service history, and a full option spec. You you dipped in and out. Oh, I, I, it's I all right, Matthew. I'll get the, the model year. So it's a BMW X5M. It's 2014 is the year. It's got full options and it's 70,000 on the clock. Full service history, one owner. Yeah, so you've got two types of M. You've got the actual X5 full, full version M. And then you've got uh, one which has just got the trim of M. Do we do we know if it's actually the, the what's called X five M? It's definitely the full M. the X five M. It's the M. Yeah, I mean they 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 are desirable. If it's the seven seat version, which is even rarer, they're probably yeah, going for around a hundred. Yeah, they're going for around a hundred and fifty. Um, okay. But it, it, you know, I would buy that car only if it was a very clean example because it's now seven years old, particularly as yeah, well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I've seen them because of the the kilometer range as low as ninety ninety five all the way up to to one fifty one sixty. So, just one thing I would tell you is get a car inspection on this car ahead of purchasing from from an independent company that can do a car inspection because you don't want to to take any any risk because it won't have a warranty. Yeah, no, we uh, we viewed a few and walked away from a few that weren't quite right, and we own BMWs, uh, X6Ms in the uh, in the UK, and know all about the uh, the running costs. So it's something uh, we'll definitely get a check. Uh, my second query uh, was regarding uh, another purchase that we're looking at alongside this, um, and wondering what your um, advice would be on a uh, Havel H9 2021 um, full options. Um, I'm just wondering whether you had any opinion on the vehicle, uh, the quality of build and the supply network in the UAE at the moment. Yeah, well, you, you raised some really great questions there. The the actual aftermarket care for these cars, as well as not just that, but what will you do in the future? Um, look, I always talk honestly on this show because I'm independent. I am not certainly sponsored yeah. by anybody. So I, I personally wouldn't go down this route simply because I think you're going to lose, particularly buying a new one, you're going to lose a lot of value in the first 18 months. And I worry It's not something that we'd be looking to sell. It's something that we'd be driving for a couple of years then have the nanny drive the kids around to after school activities and back and forth from school. So it's really an investment for us just to, to, to drive until it goes into the ground kind of thing. If you, if you were running it into the ground, then I would say you could consider it. But my, my main concern with that car would be what it would be worth in, in two or three years. But if you were going to keep it more along the lines of, say, six, seven, eight years, then then that's not going to be as much as a of a problem for you in terms of servicing there's enough uh e even if you 
walk away from the main manufacturer, there's enough used car garages out there that have uh, what what are called general diagnostic equipment and they can get uni parts um, and, and parts aren't as much of a problem these days with 3D printing, etc. So I, again, I'm not worried too much about taking care of it because independent garages can take care of it even if the main dealer fell away. Mm. Um, there was a company you may have heard of called Daewoo um, and they went out of business, but there was lots of Daewoo cars on the road, particularly in Europe. Uh, and that was a big concern about what will happen when they disappeared. But they've been able to be maintained by aftermarket garages. Yeah. So I, I think you'll be OK. Uh, there you go. That's the level of detail you can get. Matthew Davidson standing by to give you evaluation and any advice as well. Uh, coming up after the break, our very own Maria Botros, ARN News reporter, will be asking for some advice of her own from Matthew. Stay with us. Fix it. Or flip it. Yes, good morning. If you're just joining us, wakey, wakey, it is Motormania. If you want to get involved uh, in the show, get some expert advice from Matthew Davidson on your the valuation of your car. Um, it could be something you own. It could be something you're on the way to go and see and you just want that independent view. Matthew is not connected or um, involved in any other company. There's no reason for him to sort of, you know, give you a valuation that's higher for, for somebody or lower for somebody else. He just gives you his honest opinion. Uh, right, we've been running this Instagram poll as well about um, safety on our roads. Do you feel that our roads are less safe as the number of delivery riders has increased? Uh, so far, I'll give you an update on that, 67 7% of you say yes, the roads do feel less safe. 33% are saying no, uh, you feel absolutely fine. Uh, you can keep voting on that on our Insta page at Dubai Eye1038FM. I used to call it Instagram, but now I've noticed that all the, the youngsters are calling it Insta, and I'm trying to be cool. Uh, Matthew is on the line with us, and we're also uh, joined by uh, ARN colleague Mar- Maria Botros, who got married recently, Maria. Congratulations. Thank you, Ray. How hey, are you? Yeah, very, very well. Thanks so much for, for joining us this morning. Um, so, You've, you've got married. That's great. Um, and I know that's kind of, you know, that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes the way we live our lives. And um, it's changed your car situation. It has. So I've owned for the last three years and a half, almost four years, a convertible. It's mm. a two seater. It's a convertible. It's very sporty. But obviously, I want to transition into that, you know, not a family car, but something a bit more convenient, especially when you know, my my in-laws come to visit yeah. or something. You know, we need to have a, a convenient car that fits all of us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what would you, what would you yeah. like, like to ask Matthew then? So I, I have been trying to sell the car since last year or a, a little bit. I mean, end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And it's been very difficult, especially, you know, with the pandemic hitting and, and you know, since March 2020, we haven't had the opportunity to properly, you know, um, sell it or try Viewings to like market and all that it kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So and a lot of people are skeptical. I mean, I have to admit that when people call me, you know, they're a little worried to come, you know, try the car and like mm. get into my car and, and test drive it because people are still worried. So I am trying to find the right market for it, and I'm trying to find a buyer. Um, again, when I was trying to sell it, the mileage was, I mean, I think 90,000. Now yeah. it's like 110, uh-huh. which makes it a little difficult because when it, it breaks 100,000, so it, it, I felt like it became a bit more difficult. I'm getting less calls. Yes. I'm getting less interested buyers. 
Okay. Yeah. So, so this is uh, <laughs> this is an Infinity uh, Q60. It's a 2017, exactly. and it's now got 110,000 kilometres on the clock. And I can see here that it's grey. Uh, Matthew, what would you yeah. uh, say to Maria? Well, Maria, congratulations. Thank you. Well, <laughs> exciting times, and we need to get rid of this infinity. Sorry, what year was it again? I didn't, I didn't catch that. So I, um, uh, Ray isn't wrong. I did mention that it was 2017, but it's actually 2016. Oh, okay. I, was, I was wrong. I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what, what happened, that's perfectly normal, actually, because you get cars here that are actually uh, sold yes. as 16s, but actually registered in 17 and vice versa. So that, mm-hmm. that's perfectly normal. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we're going into the summer now. So as you know, selling a- any car going into the summer is difficult, but particularly ones that are convertible. With those kilometers, ideally, we would have loved to it for it to have been just under 100. But I, I think that mm-hmm. car's worth about 55 to 60. That's what that okay. car should sell for. What, what were you selling That's- it online for? What were you putting it out there for? So I wasn't too far off. I was at 65,000 and I did you know, agree to 60,000 with buyers that were actually very interested and kept calling repeatedly. So, yeah, so it was it was in that range. But it never, they, the deal yeah. never kind of got struck, Maria, though? No. So it's people coming to see the car, test driving it, and then calling one more time, and then it's like they're gone. Right. <laughs> I, I don't hear from them ever again. That's interesting, isn't it? I do think that's a bit of a phenomenon. I I can't speak today, Matthew, as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's something that happens or something I've noticed as well. Um, Sorry, sorry, go on, Matthew. Yeah, I I mean, one option for you if you want to take the pain away, it's it's not an ideal solution, but it does do that, is you could obviously trade this car against the next one that you want to get. Mm -hmm. Do do you want a seven-seater? When you said you've got family coming over, will there be more than five of you in the car at any one time? Um, no, I, I highly doubt it. No. So that's good because that, that restricts that, you know, the, the, the seven seats restricts you in what you can look at. So if you've got five, you've mm-hmm. got a lot more choice. It sounds like mm-hmm. you want something with a bit of metal around you to protect you and something that's going to be quite reliable. You could go, exactly. you could go for a Ford, Ford edge, which, okay. uh, a, a nice, safe, reliable cars. Or if you want to go a little bit towards uh, the Japanese models or even the Korean mm-hmm. models, you could go for something like um, a Santa Fe, which oh, is which okay. is Hyundai Santa Fe. You could go for mm-hmm. Kia Sportage. It really de- it really depends how much you want to spend. But um, looking at what your Infinity's worth, you could get a relatively new uh, Ford Edge under warranty. I think that would be a good choice. Hope that helps. I have a really. Yeah, that that really does. I just have one last question. Mm-hmm. Would the trade in value be the same as the the resale value outside? No. No. I, I yeah. think you 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 gotta look at the, if if you went to Ford and you looked at maybe a couple of years old uh Ford Edge, they don't want mm-hmm. to retail your infinity, they're gonna then give it to a, a used car dealer. And that dealer's gotta make money. Ford will take a little bit of admin money out of there, but that dealer's going mm-hmm. to want to pay around fifty to fifty five. So mm-hmm. that's realistically, um, I, I would hold firm on getting a trade-in price above 50, but at least okay. that, that, that moves the car on. If you want to okay. put it out there on the popular websites and Facebook, et cetera, yourself, I think you need mm-hmm. to be a bit more aggressive. 59, maybe with a last price of 55 to 57. Right. Okay. 
Thank you so much. That was super helpful. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Maria. Really appreciate it. I just, I just had an idea, Matthew. We could auction cars live on the radio. <laughs> Maybe... Yeah, but <laughs> we lose our impartiality. Oh, right? that's true. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, we've got Amon on line number seven. Good morning, Amon. Good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning. Yeah, you've got a very crackly line. Let me see. Uh, if, is the radio on? There you go. That's gone a little bit better now. I think that's okay. What would you like to ask Matthew? A uh, very quick one. Um, I've got a contract where I have to drive back and forth between Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the next couple of months. Um, I have a 2015 Nissan Armada, so environmentally it's not the greatest car to be driving that kind of mileage. And also parking, it's not very convenient um, for it. So what I really need is just something as cheap as possible that can get me through the next two months, a very small, um, uh, petrol-friendly kind of car. Um, and I don't want to spend much money because, honestly, the, the Nissan does, does me really well in Dubai, but it just happens that I'm, I'm in this temporary situation where I'm driving a lot more. Mm. Uh, I don't tend to drive too much. I, I tend to be, you know, mostly online work, things like that, so it's never been an issue. So I wanted to know, because I know nothing about cars. If they break down, I don't know how to fix them, where to go. You know, I'm terrible with that kind of stuff. So um, <laughs> what's the safest way to go about buying a dirt cheap car without getting, you know, really expensive um, clunk of metal on my hands? I like you, Eamon. You're speaking my language, but I'm going to have to fade you down because the line the line is terrible, so you can you can listen uh, you can listen online uh, while we get the advice from Matthew. Okay, so he's he's driving Matthew from Abu Dhabi to Dubai, um, and he's he's currently in a 2015 Armada. Um, it's not ideal for the mileage or the environment, um, and he wants to to buy a used car um, that he can use, uh, which doesn't cost more than ten thousand dirhams. What would you say? There's a challenge for you. Well, yeah, uh, he's definitely making uh, the right choice. Driving an Amada back and forth, you're just going to destroy the value in that car, and it's going to be so expensive for fuel as well. Um, but you just want something. It, you still don't want to go too small because you want to feel safe on the highway. But, you know, maybe something like uh, an older uh, Toyota Corolla, older Camry. These these cars tend to just run and run and run. Um that you know, if you went, uh, you know, Nissan for example, you could pick up something like an Ultima. You just you just want an older Japanese car because uh, they will run to those 250, 350, even 400,000 kilometers. Um, and then just make sure you stay on top of changing the oil regularly if you're doing that many kilometers because it's air and fuel that go into the engine and if they get blocked in any way that's what causes the problem so change the air filters change the oil regularly and you'll be fine but go for japanese like a toyota or a nissan uh, that's the best that's the best option for you thank you very much matthew uh, hang there for a bit we are into the last 15 16 minutes of the program uh, we will have to take a quick break the phone lines the switchboard is completely empty i reckon we've got probably four people we can talk to before we need to do speed quote eight to beat we're back in the driver's seat oh, no, we'll drive. 
This is Motor Mania with Ray Addison. On Dubai I 103.8. You know, I was, uh, I was reading through, we have so many texts in the last break, I was just reading through them and I suddenly heard Zena go, run air, run air, almost missed it. Uh, Matthew, the phone lines, as you would expect in the last sort of 10 minutes of this show, they, they just, they always light up. Um, so let's try and get through uh, as many of these as we possibly can. Um, we've got uh, Manish on the line, Ahmed, uh, Dala as well, and a couple of others. So let's see how many we can get through. Uh, Manish, what would you like to ask Matthew? Yeah, hi, Matthew. I own a Honda CRV, 2015 model, and I have done uh, 200,000, and all the service are done in uh, Honda showroom itself. So and what I'll fetch for it. And I've got a note here, Matthew, that it's it's black. Yeah, hi, Manish. Um, well, yeah, hi. fantastic set selling feature that you've done 200,000 kilometers, but you've continued to maintain Honda. That's that's your main selling point when you when you sell this car. 2015 with those kilometers should still sell for early 30s. I think something like 32, 33,000. How does that sound? Yeah, that's great. And uh, just wanted a quick advice. Yeah, I have a budget of another 100000 to spend on. So which, what would be your suggestion for a next car who has driven Honda for five years? Well, if you, if you love Honda, then you've got a lot of choice with that budget particularly. But you could even, if you want a bit more room, you could go, uh, you've got a lot of choice. I mean, um, you go for a pilot, for example, um, which are fantastic cars, really, really reliable. If you like the, the Honda brand and you want to um, stay with Honda, that's a great way to move your family around a Honda Pilot. Hope that helps, Manish. Just moving on because we want to get in as many people as we can before we say goodbye to Matthew. Uh, Ahmed's online number one. Good morning, Ahmed. Morning, hi, Matthew. Hi. Morning, morning. What would you like to ask, Matt? Well, what I'm looking for is to get import uh, from US the uh, GMC 3500 HD, but the diesel engine because they don't get this here in the UAE. My question is, uh, should I do that? I mean, I know that I have to import the parts, etc., but can I uh, can I maintain diesel here in the UAE? Uh, I know it's a bit different from the public. So you you own or you're looking to you're thinking about buying? I'm looking it? For, okay, I'm looking to import. Yes, import it. GMC uh, 3500, a 2020 uh, year. I see there. Um, should he import it, Matthew? Well, first of all, if you do um, look at exporting a car, or sorry, importing a car in, make sure that you've got a history check or a, a vehicle inspection on that car. Um, just get the VIN number and, and, and pay a, a few dirhams to, to, to run a check on that car. Make sure it's not been a, a previous total loss. Uh, in terms of maintaining the, the diesel, there are lots of commercial diesel vehicles here. In, in fact, many, many cars, commercial cars run on diesel. So th- there are plenty of places that you can maintain that car. I wouldn't worry too much about um, the diesel element. I presume you want diesel because you want the extra torque for towing. Is is that why you need yeah, it? Yeah, that's correct. I, I want the diesel for the extra torque to run huge wheels, huge tires, 40-inch tires. I want to lift it, modify it. Mm. Okay, I'm looking forward to seeing this beast when it's on the road. But, yeah, <laughs> I think I think you'll be okay if you follow that advice, get an inspection on the other end, and also... Um, Make sure that you, when when you're here, that you seek out a, a good garage that's already maintaining commercial diesel. You'll be fine. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much for calling in, Ahmed. Really appreciate that. Uh, just moving on for time. Dala is on line number two. Good morning, Dala. 
Good morning. Um, just a quick help. I'm actually looking to buy either a Kia Seltos or a Nissan uh, Kicks for my wife. She needs a small car mm-hmm. and uh, she just needs it for school runs and uh, potentially just to go to the mall mm-hmm. um, close by. Uh, no serious driving. Um, and I'm just a little bit confused as to which one to go for. Yeah, lots of options out there, Matthew. Um, yeah, both great cars um, and very similar. I mean, if you look at the Siltos and the Kicks, they're, they're very similar looking cars. Um, I think you'll be you'll probably have better residual value when you come to sell the Kicks. They're a little bit uh, better known. I think the the Siltos is still um, uh, not got the the traction in the market. Um, Price wise, they're actually quite similar. I'd probably move more towards the Nissan Kicks. All right, Dal, I hope that helps. I'm sorry not to uh, get a re- response from you, but we just want to move on as quickly as we can because we do need to play uh, Speed Quote with Matthew. And, and last uh, time we were on air, Matthew, something very, very special happened, as I'm sure you remember. Uh, I'm sure you've been getting congratulations and praise for uh, reaching eight. Yeah, everyone just said you won't beat eight. That was... <laughs> so... okay. and, and I say, uh, Ray and I will never give up. We, yeah. will, we will go for we will go for nine and until the, as long as this show is still running. Exactly, exactly. So let's let's do the best we, we possibly can. Uh, eight to beat today. Sixty second clock is going to go on. Um, these are all genuine uh, cars. Uh, quotes requests that have been sent in from people who texted us on 4001 and we're going to start this in 3, 2, 1 Volvo V40 2014 110k Oh they're not worth much now Uh, probably mid 30s, 35 Honda CRV 2018 108k Which year? Uh, 2018 Okay they're they're still selling for early 70s Ford Explorer is blue 2015 189k uh, if it's an XLT, probably around 55. Uh, Renault Megane hash, Hatchback, 2014, 104K. Oh, not much money, 25K. Nissan Altima, 2015, 104K. It's had two accidents. Oh, then probably early 30s, let's say 30K. Hyundai Santa Fe, 2013, 145K. Uh, still sell well, 35K. Land Rover, Range Rover, 2010, 210K. Uh, old shape, no more than 35. Ford Explorer XLT, 2015, 140K. Oh! 55. You know, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm taking that because the, the, the crash sound... What, hold on, Zenas, do that again? Yeah, eight, yeah. Because the, the crash sound <laughs> includes the last few seconds of the of the 60. <laughs> we need to get that fixed. You know, actually. you know the crash sound really blasts my headphones. It's Does like it really? I, I know, I know, I know the game is over for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Hopefully, it doesn't blast our, our listeners' uh, headphones as well. Um, oh, uh, Zeno is just requesting. Would you please uh, give us the quotation on number nine? If we'd got there, we would have said uh, Toyota Fortuna. It's a 2014, 87,000 kilometers. Uh, if it's the four-cylinder, the 2.7, maybe early 50s, 52. If it's a four-liter V6, 
early 60s, 61, 62. Okay, cool. Uh, also, I just I saw one here. This is this is the text I was reading when I got all distracted. Uh, this is from Z. Uh, she uh, says, I know someone who's selling a 2008 Explorer Sport Track. It's a pickup truck. Full options, driven 250,000 kilometres. I know it's got a lot of mileage on it, but I really like it, and there's very few on the roads. Agency maintained. Should I go for it? Super rare. So that, that car actually evolved into the Ranger, uh, the Ford Ranger. So if you see a Ranger on the road, that's what was the Explorer pickup. Um, I'd say about, they're, they're so rare, probably about 24, 25K that car should sell for. So that's worth it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty retro, pretty cool. Nice. So um, if, you want, if you want it and it checks out, okay, you do an inspection and it looks a good car, I'd take it. Yeah, 24, 25K. Matthew, thanks so much, as always, for joining us. Uh, can we uh, rely on you again in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, well, you know, uh, this is, <laughs> this is the, the, show, <laughs> the show. But I've got a job, yeah. I'm yeah, back exactly. at Algo Driven tomorrow morning. So, uh, hey. But I'll be back with you in two weeks for sure. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Matt. Uh, have a safe rest of your weekend and a safe week ahead. Uh, thanks to everyone who called in. Uh, we've got another hour of Motormania. This is Motormania with Ray Addison. Now shut up and drive. On Dubai I 103.8. Yes, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Motor Mania. This is your chance to talk cars and keep up to date with the latest motoring news. Still to come on today's show, I'll be chatting to Gaurav Sham, the founder of Open Bonnet, about what really goes on when you take your car in for a service. Because I don't know about you, but I am completely clueless about anything technical to do with my car. I just recently had my car serviced, and you get this list, don't you? And it's like this, this, this. There's like 20 things on there, and you're thinking, do I need to have that done? How important is it? Will it put me at risk? Will it put other people at risk if I don't have that done? Because, you know, it's expensive. Um, So Gurav will be joining us, and he'll give us a bit of a guide uh, to, you know, what's important, what's not important, and how often things tend to to go wrong and need to be replaced. Phil Clark will also be here uh, to talk about the rise in delivery riders on our roads and how it's impacting road safety. And that topic was inspired by a road traffic accident which happened to our producer, Zena, on Thursday. She was in heavy traffic on Hesse Street. It was kind of standstill, but the motorbikes were zipping around the delivery drivers, and one of them went in to the uh, back rear bumper. The guy ended up sort of uh, coming off the bike and he hurt his hand as well. And, you know, she obviously reported it and was concerned about him as well. But, you know, it is something that that is affecting us more. As more and more of us are are using delivery services, obviously there's more riders um, and it does impact upon our roads. Uh, we're running a poll on Instagram at Dubai I 1038 FM. As the number of delivery riders has increased, do our roads feel less safe to you? Uh, head on to Dubai I 1038 FM on Insta and vote yes or no. At the moment, 69% of you feel that our roads do feel less safe here in the UAE. 31% um, are saying no, they feel uh, absolutely fine. We'd love to have your vote and we'll keep you up to date with that throughout the show as well. Now, um, we are going to be joined, uh, as always at this time in the programme, by the one and only motoring journalist, Damien Reid. Good morning, Damien. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing? You're right. Doing well, man. Doing doing very well, despite the heat and the humidity that's just suddenly hit us from there. I know, it's a bit... It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's a bit like that. It's kind of gardens out of bounds, even in the evening. It's um, it's made it quite slippery out there, as if we're driving on 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 rain or ice. I tell you, driving last night, um, it's like it was raining. So uh, that's another little fact we've got to keep in mind during the summer months. Yeah. My goodness, it's just hit overnight. 
Yeah, yeah. I, ha- I haven't noticed that before, but I, I, I have sort of uh, heard that it's going to be one of the hottest summers we've had for a while. And so, yeah, definitely it does. Um, it's good, good that I got my car serviced recently then, I'm guessing, uh, to stay, stay as safe as I possibly can. Well, uh, I want to get your views on this um, poll that we're running about road safety um, related to delivery riders. Do you feel that with more riders on the road, you know, we are a little bit less safe? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, it's a big issue that needs to be addressed. Mm. Um, I'm not, and I don't even think it's a regional thing. I think, it's, you know, I've had this discussion with people in other countries. It's a, it's a thing that with the convenient society that that's that's creeping in, and we've got to weigh the the, the, the pros and cons of the conveniences that we want of, of having our meals and couriers delivered on time or early uh, against the safety of these guys. And mm. uh, you know, and um, and and the demands and the pressure on pressures on these guys to to deliver whether they're being paid on a commission or whether they're being paid a set wage, I'm not sure. But if it's on commission, then then the pressure is to deliver more, get back to base as fast as you can and keep Mm -hmm. delivering. And, uh, but I've I've noticed in the last eight to 10 months, the Mm. the number of of motorcycles that have increased in, in, in Dubai has been uh, incredible. Well, look, I mean, even if they're not on commission, I'm sure there, there must be records of, you know, well, this guy did 10, 10 deliveries, you know, in in a five hour, six hour shift and and you only did three, you know what I mean? So maybe there is uh, that kind of pressure as well. I I really don't know. Just speculating. We've had quite a few texts in on this subject uh, to 4001. I'll just read through some of them, Damien, if you don't mind. Uh, Ben said, Mm. Um, I've had riders zigzagging around me on my daily commute. Definitely, I feel less safe. Um, maybe there should be a cap on the number of drivers on the road at the same time. So that's an interesting idea. I'm not sure exactly how that would work. Uh, I guess we'd have to be given time slots when we could when we could sort of be out on the roads and what time we could go to work. Uh, go on the roads um no name on this one said i hit a delivery driver uh, because he suddenly stepped on his brakes uh, i had to pay for the damages i offered to get him to a hospital but he said he was fine and went on his way to deliver the food uh, and Chaz said um if you don't want riders on the roads don't order food online i guess that would be a solution but we're selfish aren't we we you know i, I know i am I, I want my delivery um and yet i i still want to be able to complain about <laughs> complain about it afterwards yeah that, that's the thing and it's not just food it's, it's other you know couriers you you want to send a parcel over to the other side of town it needs to get there in a traffic yes. jam um and, and that's another point but 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 yeah i mean there's there's a few things there i mean there's uh that have been brought up uh, zigzagging through traffic is is a is a major issue. You know, you you have to be so on your guard to to check your blind spots. Yeah. I was in a a huge traffic jam the other night on the Palm when uh, virtually the, the the road was blocked right through the tunnel, mm-hmm. um, and these courier drivers were sort of zigzagging up between the cars and and going up the gutter on the on the fast lane. You know, sort of over the flower beds and things. Yes. And, you know, nearly knocking mirrors off um, to to meet their their demands, and yeah. uh, but but the other the other thing, Ray, is that one thing I've noticed here is um, with delivery riders is um, is the protection that they're wearing when they're riding. Now, you know, I, I which is which is none. <laughs> you know, I right, yeah. apart from a helmet, I, I used to when I was riding back back home in Australia, I wouldn't leave the house unless I was wearing protective clothing. That is, you know. Uh, jeans that are, that are Kevlar lined. You buy them from from motorcycle shops. Mm-hmm. Jackets that, that, that you know, leather jacket or a jacket that has a, like a spine in the a spine in the back as well, um, and gloves and proper boots. And you see them running around in just just regular, you know, t- 
trousers and, and, and business shirts and no gloves and, you know, no nothing protecting yes. their feet. So, of course, when they come off, of course, they're going to be injured. Yeah. And that's a, another issue that I, I'm, I know it's hot and I know that's a big issue. But if it is that hot, then maybe they should be in cars. If, if I think the safety of being thrown off a bike wearing uh, clothing that's, that's not protective um, Mm. covering that outweighs the fact of getting around in hot weather, I think. I think there should be, if there isn't already, which I, I, I genuinely don't know, but if there isn't, then I, I feel there should be, um, you know, some kind of um, mandatory situation where they they need to be provided with those clothes, just like you said. And just going back to the zigzagging issue, the zigzagging I can take, you know, I, I expect the bikes to be zigzagging and, and whether it's the UK or here or wherever I've driven in the world, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm always looking out for that. What I don't like, and I do think needs to be stopped is what you also mentioned where they're cutting across the um, the central reservation or they're suddenly going the wrong way um, like the guy almost drove to me drove into me into a car park in JLT was because he was he was entering the car park through the exit and he's you know sort of throwing up his hand yes. at me you know you, yes as a driver you have to be focused for everything and I slammed on the brakes but there's certain times you do not expect somebody to be driving towards you. Um, and I think these, you know, guys you know, need to help themselves as well. Uh, give us yeah. your views on that. Uh, as I said, let's give you another update on that poll. Do they feel, do the roads feel less safe? Yes, 74, no, 26. So you keep voting on Instagram. Let's go to some of the um, the other news uh, that we've been uh, covering and, and reading throughout the week, Damien. And it's uh, Jeep Wrangler's 80th anniversary, 80 years. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The 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 the, uh, the trusty old Jeep has turned eighty, mm. and uh, and to celebrate that, they began back in nineteen forty one. It was it was owned by a company called Willys, and they produced the first mass produced four by four vehicle, um, and then Jeep eventually uh, bought the company out, and and it, it hasn't changed all that much over eight decades. I mean, you know, the the styling is still very similar to to the way it was going going back in in those days in terms of having the the seven slot grill the 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 two round headlights uh the the, the sort of squarish guards mm. that hasn't changed at all um neither has the a lot of the architecture in terms of being a solid front and rear axle and and and, and a, a body on frame chassis and that sort of thing they're very tough um off-roader and uh they're still selling up a storm and so yeah jeep have just decided to 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 celebrate that by launching an 80th anniversary version, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't have a huge amount of changes to it, but uh, the, 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 the thing that I noticed straight away, it comes in, a, in this sort of now to very in vogue olive green color, which is not too different from the khaki color that they ran when they first ran in, in World yeah. War II. So it's a, it sort of uh, pays homage to, to its origins. Wow, yeah. And it, that that um, World War II connection as well, I mean, you know, it's it it gives it that kind of stamp, doesn't it, of authenticity? You know, as a as a vehicle, you know, it's you know, it's tough. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and, and the Jeep was originally built so it could be it could be put into a flat pack, a bit like an IKEA package, yeah, and carried and then dropped from from a helicopter in you know in in, in later wars and that sort of thing. And, you know, we're talking about Vietnam and Korea and things like that, and then and then built up again or, or, or dropped off the back of a ship of, of a boat, you know, a U boat or something in World War Two, and then assembled. So it was 
very, very simple. Yeah. They still have competitions there where, they, where you, you know, you can assemble one in, in 60 seconds, literally, uh, with a team of guys. <laughs> um, the, the original version, not the new one. No. But, the, but, the, but the current one has some of that carryover thing. So it's got a windscreen that folds flat. You can still take mm-hmm. the doors off the, off the hinges and store them away. Mm-hmm. So in winter, for instance, that's where you see without the doors and the roof. And you can fold the windscreen flat when you're off-road and that sort of thing. Um, so, yes, yeah, still very utilitarian. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I like about it. It's not, to be honest, it's not it's not the most comfortable car on road mm-hmm. uh, with that solid front and rear axle and it does sort of bounce around a little bit, but you're almost unbeatable and unbreakable yeah. off-road. And it just has that feeling of go, in or, go anywhere ability, I think. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You take the car away. Absolutely. Uh, 80, 80th anniversary for Jeep Wrangler. Uh, Damien's with us. Uh, we've got him here for the next 15 minutes or so. Loads more news to go through. You're back with Ray Addison on Motormania. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Chatting to motoring journalist Damien Reed at Damien Reed on Insta if you want to follow him. And he's always got loads of posts on there about the work that he's doing uh, throughout the week. Uh, Damien, let's uh, move to another story now um, because the world's most expensive car has arrived. Yeah, and what a car it is. Uh, it's the um, it's it's a bespoke Rolls Royce mm. that's been made for uh, for one particular client, and it's something that Rolls Royce is going. To, now this car is valued in in UK terms in at, at over twenty million pounds, so we're talking yeah, a, yeah around about sort of, uh, fifty fifty plus million dirhams or thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, no, no, way 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 beyond that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a car that's been built for for one particular client. And that client has been chosen by the uh, the, the, the boss of Rolls Royce mm. and um, the CEO Torsten Torsten Muller Otfuss. So so he's selected three clients that he knows of to create three one-off cars for each of them, and this is the first one to roll out the door. So it's very generous um, of yeah, him, isn't it? Very it, generous. It, well, he's going to get a hundred. <laughs> just did, did a quick math. He's going to get a hundred million dirhams out of it. So yeah. don't worry. <laughs> And the first one uh, has got a nautical theme. Yeah, so it, it looks a bit like a, if you know, like the, the Italian river boats, the speed boats, you know, with the, mm-hmm. with the timber decking and the beautiful styling from the 1950s kind of thing. It's that. So it's a, it's a, it's a two-door convertible mm-hmm. with this beautiful timber decking at the back. And, and the great thing about it is because this, this particular client, and this is how specific it gets, this particular client likes having picnics and uh and and he's a watch collector and a pen collector so okay. so he so there's a, a, a i'm not sure the brand of, of of the watch but there's two watches that are set into the dash to create the car's clock wow and there's a pair of mont blanc pens that are also set into the glove box <laughs> and the rear deck opens up into a picnic area complete with teakwood ta- uh, uh, chairs and a parasol to keep the sun off you in the <laughs> in the heat as well it's, the chill boxes for picnic lunches, and it's just, um, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's taken literally years to build this car yeah. for, this, for this one individual. Rolls-Royce have finally solved the problem of what to buy for the man who has everything. They just, they just give him a, a, a picnic car. <laughs> absolutely. Well, this is it. Yeah, it really is a picnic car. And, and as you know, the, the Rolls-Royce, uh, Torsten, the CEO, said so they're, they're not talking about numbers. That would be a, or volume. It's a, it's a contradiction to the whole concept. This is a car that the client that he has handpicked the client and and they go through the journey mm. right from from scratch to build the car and it's not based on the phantom or the ghost or any of the other rolls royce lines 
this is why it's so expensive. Yeah. It is literally made from the ground up for this person. And and this goes back to Rolls Royce's history. This is how they started. They started hand building, mm. you know, coach built bodies uh, to to suit individual clients. And of course, you know, with with uh, rigors in in safety and crash testing structures and all that things that need to come into it. Now that disappeared. Um, just proper bespoke coach building disappeared, and they became you know ap- options and add-ons to existing architecture yes. to try and personalise a car. Now they've come back. This mm-hmm. is the second car that Rolls Royce have done, but they did a car called the Sweptail that was uh, a 52 million dirham car uh, in 2017 that went to a, another individual. Again, a, a yachty theme, but a but more of a fastback, you know, a long distance tourer. Um, and there's two more coming. So I can't wait to see what it, what else is going to come out of that factory. This is crazy. Well, fantastic. That's a fascinating story. Uh, now, moving on, um, I never thought I'd say the word semiconductor as much as I have uh, this year. <laughs> but, but, you know, it seems like that the whole world is getting to understand what a semiconductor is, uh, whereas before we had zero knowledge, I'm imagining. Um, but the, the shortage in semiconductors is actually causing uh, or getting worse for the automotive sector. What's happening? Yeah, well, it's something we discussed a while ago, and it's, mm. it's actually it's, it's picking up um, in terms of getting uh, getting worse. In fact, um, so you know, companies like Ford, Volkswagen, Jaguar, Land Rover, Fiat Chrysler, or the, the new the, the new group that comprises Fiat Chrysler and Peugeot, Stellantis, they've they've got this issue now with semiconductors. This this came about. This initially started with as a spin off from COVID and mm. and factories shutting down. They stopped production of of, of motor vehicles. So then they stopped ordering their their semiconductor chips. When they came back online, the semiconductor manufacturers said, "Well, we've already sold them to to other you know people who make dishwashers and washing machines and phones and even your toaster. You know everything has a semiconductor." Mm. And and they said, "You now have to get to the back of the queue." Now this has actually escalated and is now involving the other industries as well. Those tradi- those other traditional industries that take semiconductors, so laptops, um, tooth- electric toothbrushes, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, wow. absolutely. And, and to compound it too is that the automotive industry uses a previous generation of semiconductor. It doesn't use the absolute latest spec that right. you find in things that, for instance, you know when you things that weigh your clothes when you throw it into a washing machine. It knows how what what, what the volume is, how brown you want your toast. Tiny, tiny little things like this that we all just assume, that's the stuff, that's the shortage now, and that, that's the most current technology. So the manufacturers are ramped up to build those, but they're not building up the previous generation, which is what the automotive industry yes. requires for, for building cars. So that's making things even worse for the car industry. So I was chatting to this uh, story uh, with Matthew a little bit earlier on this morning. That in in the US, uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics have uh, released figures showing that because there's less dem- uh, supply of brand new cars, people are going uh, more and more for secondhand cars, used cars. And so the value of, of the secondhand car market in the US has risen uh, by 10% during April of this uh, year just gone, this, this month just gone, um, and 21% from a year ago. And so this is uh, this is like a phenomenon, really. You expect your, the value of your car to obviously always fall unless uh, you've got a classic. Mm. But here we are, and the price the price is actually rising. Well, yeah, um, uh, Matthew and that report are one hundred percent correct. Because I'll give you a great example out of the United States from that is that um, uh, the big rental companies like Hertz and, and these guys 
they can't get stock of they, they buy new cars in in orders of thousands uh, tens of thousands even across the states they can't get their orders in for their new cars and their new cars need to have navigation systems in them the, the very latest now they're starting to uh, the car companies are starting to sell the cars without some of the navigation features just just for the moment just for 12 months or so to get over this issue that's not good enough for the rental company so hertz is now going to auctions and buying near new cars snapping up by by the tens of thousands because it does have the navigation that they need right and of course that's ramp that's ramping up the the, the value of used cars if if a yeah. if a major rental car company says i want 40,000 you know ford mustangs that are that are less than 5,000 kilometers old i'll take them then if you own one of those, happy days. You, you know, your yeah. value goes up. So here's a, here's a, here's a dumb question for you then, because I like, I like asking dumb questions. Like, why is everybody just not opening up semiconductor factories? It's a bit like everybody got into PCR, you know, the mask production and people sort of set up factories in their, in their, well, in the UK, in their back gardens and things like that, making these, you know, these masks. Why is that not happening for semiconductors? I, I mean, I'm guessing it's a bit more complicated. Yeah, there's 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 a few things going on there. Um, one is that there's uh, most of the semiconductors are, are actually made in China, and mm. there's, there's obviously there's some trade sanctions going on at the moment. Okay. So that's that's been one issue. Uh, another issue is the uh, the difference in in the cost of labour to to set things up. So, for instance, um, Intel are, are in the at the moment are in the process of building two new plants in in Arizona. And that's going to cost them around about twenty billion dollars. Now they also said that they they will they will try to do what they can to help Europe out. Um, Europe accounts for less than ten percent of the global chip production, so they said, look, we, we will build a factory in Europe, mm-hmm. but they want an eight billion euro handout to help in public subsidies to help build factories in Europe. And Europe is saying, look, we we can't do that yes. because that's going to offset the difference in the labour costs and. Uh, from built from from manufacturing in the United States yes, or yes. in Southeast Asia, so that that's kind of where it sits at the moment. It's, it's it's because it's a global economy and you're competing with with global rates. And if you can build it in in countries that are cheaper, but they've got trade sanctions or they don't have the the, the facilities up and running, mm. then it's just going to be too expensive to to build them in other places. Uh, Abdul Majid texted and said, "Bitcoin Bitcoin mining is also leading to the shortage." This is not an area that I'm an expert in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I'm reading that, and that is just—I I don't know what that means. I, I've heard of Bitcoin, but I wouldn't understand why that is also affecting it. Is that something that you're aware of? I, I think we should pass that. Pass that on. Uh, let's, go, <laughs> let's go to our. Uh, thank you, though, uh, Abdul Majid. Uh, let's go to our uh, final story. Um, and I don't know if you've heard about this one. This might not have peeped uh, on your radar. Utah police said they got quite a surprise when they found a nine-year-old girl, nine-year-old girl, driving a car with her four-year-old sister in the passenger seat early on Wednesday morning. The sisters told officers that they were heading to California because they wanted to swim in the ocean. Uh, they drove yeah. on two. See, we're talking about uh, delivery riders but this is this is the real danger nine-year-old girls they drove on two major roads hit another car and then crashed head-on into a lorry police said on twitter however don't worry everybody the sisters were both wearing their seat belts and were not hurt despite being in that crash see that's that's the problem that's the problem these children driving all over the yep. place <laughs> <laughs> i mean hats off girl i'm, gra- I'm glad they're wearing seatbelts. That yes. that's a great foresight for someone that age um but this is this is happening. Uh, it's happened before, right? This is, yeah. this is uh, we've seen this happen before. A five-year-old boy also caught up. He wanted to he wanted to drive 
down to buy a Lamborghini because his mum wouldn't buy him one. So he took the family car out and drove down to the dealership wow. himself and, and was pulled over along the way and uh, by, by police who saw him sort of zigzagging across the road. And I guess it gets back to the fact that, you know, we couldn't do this when we were five years old, so no. couldn't reach the clutch pedal. Yeah. Um, but things have changed, you know. <laughs> yeah. The cars are getting so much easier to drive now with remote unlocking and remote starting and, um, and, and lane keep assist and all these kind of things. Yeah, you've, you know, you've, that's something I guess parents really need to keep an eye on. It's much, much easier yeah. to push a button and get in the car and it starts and push a button and away you go where, as opposed to, you know, fiddling around and pulling the yeah. stroke out and yeah. trying to get, get the car running and <laughs> pump the pedal a few times and then fire, she fire up and let it warm up. Where that, are your, your parents kids? would have found out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Damien, thank you. As always, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Ray. Anytime. Cheers, bud. And, uh, yeah, you can follow Damien Reed uh, at Damien Reed on Instagram. And I believe he's on Twitter as well, though I don't go on there very much. Uh, so uh, that was Damien and that was our news. Uh, after the break, we're going to go back to um, this issue of our roads. And are they uh, less safe now that we have more delivery riders? We'll be chatting to Phil Clark from 4E Road Safety and Transport Consultants. Stay with us. You're back with Ray Addison on Motormania. Only on Dubai I 103.8. Yes, hello if you've just joined us. This is Motormania on Dubai I 103.8. Here until midday with your car talk show. And um, as you know, if you've been listening, we've been talking about delivery riders. Um, As the number has increased since the pandemic, do our roads feel less safe? Why are we chatting about that? Because our producer Zena had a little incident on Thursday. She was in stalled traffic on Hester Street and a delivery rider uh, came in, slammed into the the back of the car and uh, came off the bike. And um, he was okay. It was obviously all reported uh, to Dubai police. And um, she also uh, reported it to the um, the delivery company as well and l- let them know um, and offer to take the guy to the clinic. But, you know, it's it's an issue, isn't it? As more riders are on our roads, do we feel less safe? We're running that poll on Instagram at Dubai I 1038 FM. Last time I looked, it was 73% of you feel that our roads are less safe. So what can we do? What should we be doing? What role can we play as motorists to make sure that we not only protect ourselves and our families as we're driving, but also we protect these guys as well, because nobody wants uh, these accidents to happen. Phil Clark, Technical Director, Road Safety and Enforcement at 4E Road Safety and Transport Consultants is on the line. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Ray. Thanks so much. I th- uh, we've we've spoken before, and I really appreciate you coming back on the program. Um, what's your view? If, if you were uh, answering this poll, if you were going on Instagram, what would you be voting? Yes, less safe, or no, absolutely fine. Um, I, th- I think if you look at it in general context of are the roads less safe? Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, are they less safe for car drivers? Well, yes. But I think the, the real problem here is the vulnerability of, uh, of these motorcycle yes. delivery guys. They are vulnerable road users. They're more vulnerable on a bike than they are in a, in a car. Mm. And as a seasoned motorcyclist, I, I actually cringe when you see uh, some of the riding mm-hmm. um, because they don't seem, some of them, to appreciate their own vulnerability. But then I also recognize that they're under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to deliver your food, if it's hot food, to deliver it um, still hot and and as soon as possible so they're they're under enormous pressures um and 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 i think 
sorry, Phil, I was just sorry, going to say no, one, on. one thing I noticed as well. Um, I, I've noticed if I'm in sort of slower moving traffic and I, I'm able to sort of look around me a bit more at what other motorists are doing, I've noticed these riders pay a lot of attention to their their phone apps and, you know, their map systems on there. Because obviously they're, they're delivering you know, to, to places they're following directions on their maps. Um, and so, you know, when you're riding, a, I don't ride a motorbike myself. I've never, you know, uh, trained or, or, or taken the test for that. So I don't really know how difficult it is. Um, but if you've got one eye on, a, on, a, on your phone screen and, and the other eye on the road, that's going to make things even more difficult. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's no different, really, to to car drivers uh, using their handheld mobile phones and texting whilst driving or or whatever else they may do. Mm. Um, You're absolutely right. It's a distraction. And, and of course, you know, one of the problems here is that that usually if one person makes a mistake on the road, providing other people are sort of alert and and react quickly, the the incidents are avoided. It's generally... Um, where, where two people perhaps are not quite paying attention at yes. these things happen. Not always. I mean, obviously, you can be sitting stationary in traffic and somebody can hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also other things that we can do. Um, I, I think people need to be more aware of these guys. Um, and, and that means not being distracted and, yeah. and using the mirrors and keeping an eye on where they are. Um, only yesterday I had one riding very, very close behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, uncomfortably close i knew that if i had to break suddenly he was going to hit me yeah so the only thing i could do was drop back a bit off the the, you know the car in front of me and allow a little bit more reaction time for myself so that i wouldn't have to do anything sudden and he wouldn't get caught out so i think we have to get away dubai has a very sort of um at best assertive driving style Mm. and at worst aggressive Mm. and i think we just need to become a little bit more considerate for everybody and be more aware of what everybody else is doing around us instead of just driving for ourselves. And that applies to them as well. They, they need to concentrate on what they're doing and, uh, uh, you know, to get from A to B safely. Yep. We've, we've all got a shared responsibility here. Uh, it was a suggestion from Matthew Davidson earlier. We've also had a text in, uh, no name on this, but uh, I'll read it out. He says, regarding delivery bikes and also scooters, since people are getting to be more environmentally conscious, how about the idea of painting a blue line all along the side of every road in Dubai dedicated only for delivery bikes? Uh, I think the roads are wide enough in Dubai to accommodate a little extra space for them. Would you like to see something like that? that like a like a you know we have dedicated bike lanes on pavements would you like to see a dedicated uh, delivery bike lane on our roads uh i think there are some practical problems with doing that mm-hmm. first some of the roads are wide enough but some of them aren't mm-hmm. secondly you've got entrances and exits and junctions and everything which people are going to be turning in and out of so uh, one of the problems there is that you're going to have motorcycles shooting up the side of the road and, and potentially people turning. The other problem is that what are you going to do when you get to junctions? Because this is one of the big problems here. You, you have a big signalised junction. Everybody stops. You're sitting there in your queue of traffic and suddenly there's, there's motorbikes all around you. They're in front, behind, alongside and everything else. And then when the lights change, it's a free-for-all and everybody's changing lanes and cutting across. And that's where a lot of these vulnerabilities come. So I'm not sure that that's a very practical solution. Mm. Um, I wouldn't rule it out in some locations. Yes. Fair, yeah. But I, I think 
then you have an inconsistency. If you do it in one place and not in others, you know, how much does that actually help? Also, there would be disruption while those lanes are being put in place. But of course, once it's done, it's done. Um, just mm. another thing that I noticed, you know, if, if I'm get, say for getting a, a food order, uh, if the delivery doesn't come within a specified time, there are discounts applied and, and things like that. Now, this is actually not something that I ever asked for. Um, you know, so I've, I've, you know, I spotted it. I was sort of a, a little bit sort of, sort of pleasantly surprised. But things like that, these targets, they do put pressure on the drivers to make sure they're delivering in as fast a time as possible. Um, so maybe would you think that sort of relaxing those or removing those kind of uh, pressure points would help as well? I, I think it does. I, I think the other problem you've got is that uh, these guys very often work on, you know, there's targets for the number of deliveries they're going to do. Mm. I mean, it was a very well-publicized bonus scheme from one of the delivery companies recently. And the drivers who were eligible or riders who were eligible had had to deliver X number of of deliveries in order to qualify for the bonus. I think these things all add to pressure yes. um, on these guys. And, uh, you know, if you, if you get stuck at a traffic set of traffic lights, it's just turned red, you're there for three or four minutes, and then you catch the next one for another three or four minutes. They're trying to make up lost time sometimes to, to meet their targets and deadlines. I would like to see those relaxed, mm. but you've still got the fact that we are demanding people. We don't want, you know, soggy French fries or, you know, pizza yeah. that's turned to leather. Um, and, and when people complain, it's these guys who, who get into trouble. So yeah. I, think, I think, you know, we've all got to be a little bit more tolerant, a little bit more um, switched on when we're out on the roads. But it, it's, it is a joint responsibility. It's not up to everybody to avoid them. It's up yes. to everybody to share the responsibility for road safety Just and be more aware of what everybody else is doing. Just finally, Phil, because uh, we're running out of time, um, vans have stickers you can call if you think they're driving badly. I've tried that. The guy seemed a bit confused when I got through. But what should we do if we, if we spot a, um, a delivery rider? Uh, driving badly who who should we tell should we target whichever company it is or should we uh, speak to the police what would you advise uh, I, I think probably in the first instance it's worth contacting the delivery company mm -hmm. um, but I, I think we should only be doing that not because somebody's done something um, trivial we should only be yes. doing that when when somebody has uh, done something clearly a little bit crazy i mean I, I remember calling one of those stickers on the back of a van once and it was the guy driving the van who answered the phone <laughs> so you um, hear a lot of that <laughs> it's which of course just made it even more unsafe yeah but i i think um you know, what we need to do is, is is just be measured in the approach to, to complaining about things you know if, if your delivery is five minutes late it's five minutes late i'd mm. rather it came five minutes late than half an hour late because the guy's had an accident on the way or, or it doesn't arrive at all. Absolutely. So, um, you know, better to arrive late than, than not arrive at all. Phil uh, Clark, Technical Director, Road Safety and Enforcement at 4E Road Safety and Transport Consultants. Thanks so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, in a moment, we're going to be chatting to Gurav Sham. He's the founder of Open Bonnet. Do you know what goes on when you take your car in for a service? No, me neither. Gurav will enlighten us. You're back with Ray Addison on Motormania. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, and we're joined now by Gurav Sham. He's the founder of Open Bonnet. Good morning, Gurav. 
Morning, Ray. How are you? Very, very well. Uh, let's start. What is Open Bonnet? Uh, Open Bonnet is a marketplace of auto aftermarket service providers. We are connecting currently 70 plus garages to car owners across the country. And uh, we are bringing a fully digital uh, service experience when it comes to uh, all the way from creating a job uh, to the time of your car delivery. Each and every touch point has been mapped on the uh, platform ah. and the customer is in complete view. So it's a, it's a marketplace which is completely digital. So if I'm understanding this correctly, if I've got something that I feel I need some, I know I need some work doing with the car, I can put it on your platform and do garages kind of put in bids to, for the work? So the way over here is, yes, there are two kind of uh, uh, jobs, as we can imagine. There are some upfront price-based jobs. We have mapped the price points uh, across our garages. And if it's, uh, let's say, a, a regular service uh, or some kind of a brake pad replacement or something where we can uh, probably provide you an upfront price, then that's available on the system very, very clearly. And people can uh, choose which garage that they want to go for, the reviews of the garage, the location, etc., come mm-hmm. into play. On the other hand, there are uh, some jobs which require inspection. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we take this, uh, you know, summary of what issues are being faced. And the uh, user can select up to three jobs, uh, three uh, garages where he would like a quotation. Uh, okay. And uh, yes, the estimates are free. If the customer chooses, then the job will be done. So I had my car serviced recently and um, yep. I got sent uh, by email a list of things that they they were recommending and you know you can obviously you can choose to accept them or or reject them and it had stuff like yeah. um you know the windscreen wipers needed replacing uh the motor yeah. on my um uh, the uh, what's it called the water that hits the the screen anyway <laughs> whatever yeah. that thing's called and 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 a yeah. bunch of other things brake pads etc 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 so i'm looking at this list and i'm not technical at all you know and i'm just like yeah. that sounds like it really needs doing that sounds like it might just be throwing money away. It's it's very, very sure. hard to tell. So what sure. actually goes on when you take a car in for service and what are the major things that we need to be looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a very, very uh, clear pain point. And uh, there are, as we all know, 36,000 odd parts go into making an ICE engine, the, the current combustion cars. Mm. And it's very tough. Uh, you know, the ones which you named are, in fact, very easy to imagine whether uh, the rainy season is coming up. Do I need the wipers or yeah. not? People can still take a call. However, when it comes to the finer, uh, you know, engine parts, etc., you completely have to trust the garage whether he is giving the right picture or not and as a business uh, equation there are times when garages or independent providers might be interested to go for upsells why not yes. i uh, let the customer choose this also so uh, yes there is a tricky point but but you know we, it can't be a black and white situation because it's not exactly true that all the garages or all the points which are mentioned to you might not be required because sometimes they are the experts and after opening up the car they might realize a few things which you we're not imagining earlier on. So what we have done, for example, at Open Bonnet, and the trend should be like this, we have kind of created a lighting system in our estimates mm-hmm. and uh, you are informed uh, which ones are red lights and ah. really need urgent attention which ones are yellows and can be delayed for a later uh, time and which uh, in the inspection were found to be just perfect to carry on like that. I like So it idea. really helps people to kind of get an idea and this is where you know we are trying to create an automotive expert or buddy kind of a relationship with the car owners where every time they have an issue they they want to just call you up and just 
trust what mm. exactly is being told. So in a, in a major service then, if you're having your car, uh, one of its ma- regular major services, um, well, firstly, how often should it have a major service? And what does the uh, mechanic look at in particular? Sure. So, um, you know, uh, there is one uh, general formula can, I mean, finding a general formula would be very tough. There are so many car brands, there are so many car makes, Mm -hmm. and on top of it, the manufacturing year comes in. So, uh, conveniently, the manufacturers have, uh, I'll be, you know, admitting it, created a lot of confusion when it comes to what is my maintenance schedule. And just to clear up the whole, uh, you know, web, what we are trying to say is that we we promote major services Mm -hmm. are very where some of the uh, things like uh, AC filter, air filter, spark plugs, etc., might need to be replaced. So we, we promote uh, this to be done at 40,000 kilometers. Mm-hmm. However, every 10,000 kilometers, uh, we recommend uh, a, a minor service, which is checking all these touch points, changing your oil and oil filter in uh, with, with quality products, which continue to you know the um, uh, the car for a longer time, yeah. and finally do a inspection so that you are clear if there is anything which has come up in the last ten thousand or. Ten. So that's one formula we like to kind of promote. Ten thousand. I've I've heard this before, and I just I, I mean I'm sure it's I'm sure you're right. You're the experts. It just seems like I'd be having the ga- the car in the garage every every month or something. You know, it just seems seems too much. Let me let, let me just ask you what sort of. Um, what sort of life span do some of the smaller things in the car, like the windscreen wipers, like the, the regassing of the AC, how often should we be getting those things replaced? Like how, how, uh, how long will, will they actually last if, if you're not sort of taking them in for these 10,000 services? How often will you need to get them swapped out? Sure. See, every car owner has a different uh, style of driving. Every car goes through different levels of wear and tear. So it really depends upon uh, what's the exact condition at that time. That's why uh, I said the inspection of that car every time it comes for the service really helps a lot in getting an exact picture. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if we want to follow a maintenance schedule, then of course the manufacturer provides it. uh, And in that case, there are a lot of things which... Um, are are kind of uh, changed uh, at frequent intervals, but I think forty thousand is uh, considered to be a time when most of the things need to be either changed, mm. especially the ones which are related to the uh, car's overall functioning, or to be looked at if there is any problem which has come up. Gurav, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have to leave it there purely for time reasons, but we really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back Motormania in uh, two Saturdays' time, so please join us. Thanks to everyone who uh, got involved in the programme. Your texts and calls are always appreciated. And if we didn't get time to uh, give you your quotations earlier on, we'll add them to uh, the next episode's list.